Let's do that hockey. Welcome back. It's Dauber Prospects Radio, episode number 83. And this is going to be a special edition episode. I'm joined by the Dauber Prospects Director of European Scouting, a uh, bit of a regular on the podcast now. Welcome back, Yoki. How you doing? Hi, Pete. I'm doing fine. How are you? Doing really, really well. Staying home and quarantined, I trust? Yes, for sure. Yes, yes. this is a worldwide thing. Um, so good for you for staying home. I understand you're keeping busy, though, but uh, still time to fit in a little hockey, huh? Uh, definitely, definitely. Yeah, right on. Uh, so thanks for joining me today, Yoki. And I'm going to take advantage of the European prospect expertise that you bring to the table. And I thought that we could talk about some uh, some free agents that might be coming over across in the pond to the NHL this season, uh, if there is one. And then, of course, it would be uh, remiss if we didn't talk about some of the top European players that are eligible for the draft whenever that happens. How's that sound? Sounds great. Right on, man. All right, so let's start with um, some of the players that are that are already drafted and and have signed contracts, and uh, their long anticipated await over in North America seems to be imminent. And the first guy on this list that I want to talk about is Kirill Kaprizov, a Russian forward prospect coming from the KHL. Minnesota Wild fans have been. Um, salivating waiting for this guy so fantasy owners uh so it looks like this is the year kaprizov is is going to make his nhl debut um hopefully he's more of a artemi panarin impact than a shipishov impact uh, i think it's the former not the latter uh, he's produced really well in the khl as a young player and internationally against his you know peers in his elite uh, age group uh let's talk about kaprizov what do you what do you like about him yeah, well, first of all, I think uh, setting the expectations a bit lower than Panarin is probably a good idea, <clears throat> just because Panarin is really one of the one of the top players in the world. So I don't want to put that kind of a pressure on any anyone. It's it's a high mark to hit. But uh, Kaprizov has been one of the top players in the KHL for for a few years now. Uh, he's been consistent, consistently good. Hasn't really uh, regressed at any point. Just keeps getting better and better. So that's obviously a great sign. So now he's he's finally ready to cross the pond, and I think he's capable of having a 60-plus point rookie season. Obviously, uh, depending on who he plays with, because Minnesota doesn't have a lot of offensive firepower. But uh, if they can find some some help around him, I think he's capable of having a 60-plus point rookie season next year. Right. I like the idea of, of tempering expectations from Panarin down a little bit. 60 points is is still very, very relevant, um, very good. Um, so let's let's use a little bit more of a recent and perhaps reasonable comparison. Let's, let's talk about him versus Gusev. They're both uh, coming over after playing in the KHL as young players. Uh, how do you think he stacks up against Gusev? Uh, I think his his immediate impact is going to be better. Gusev was a bit older, I think like three years older when he crossed the pond. That's that's uh, not so good. I think Kaprizov is in that 
perfect uh, 23 or whatever it is uh, around that age when it's the perfect time really to cross the pond. Gusev took a bit too long to do that. He's he's still gonna be better next year, but it's a, a bigger adjustment when you do it uh, at a later age. But I think if we go back a few years, we got that uh, Dadonov guy in Florida. I think that's maybe a good comparison for Kaprizov's rookie season, and then Kaprizov has maybe even a bit more upside than Dadonov, but that kind of a that level of player and sort of a similar that he's more of a goal scorer the way Dadonov is as well. So, Right, so we're talking about a kind of a player here. If you're doing um, a redraft where everyone in the league is available, um, he wouldn't necessarily be a first-round kind of a pick, but uh, I wouldn't let him get past much further than the third or the fourth, depending on how many teams are in your league and how deep you go. But for your standard pool, I think he'd be a pretty good third or fourth round pick. And then, of course, if you're doing like a fantasy redraft that includes um, NHL free agents and entry draft players, he's like right at the top of the right at the top of the draft board with Lafreniere and Byfield and Stutzel, I guess. Eh? If not, if not first. Yeah, I think I think uh, for immediate impact, I think he would be second after Lafreniere. Uh, for long-term upside, uh, then there's going to be uh, a few guys at least who are above him. But if you want to have that combination of immediate impact and long-term upside, then I think Kaprizov deserves consideration uh, at, with pick number two, I would say. So right after Lafreniere, you should start considering him. Right. I don't think it's unreasonable to say that he's one of the best players not in the NHL right now. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Uh, okay, so we like Kirill Kaprizov a whole bunch. Uh, let's stick with the Russian players and switch to defense. Um, Alexander Romanov coming over uh, to join the Montreal Canadiens or potentially the Laval Rocket in the AHL. He's a 5'11 defenseman. Uh, he put up seven points, no goals and 43 games in the KHL last year, but he has been a pretty prolific scorer uh, from the World Juniors, as most fans might remember him from there. He had eight points in the seven games um, last year. This year, he had six points, and, you know, two-time World Junior player for Russia is impressive. Uh, there's a lot to like about him. I remember on the broadcast, the uh, the TSN guys really, really tooting his horn, saying he's got cornerstone potential for Montreal. So his offense really stood out at the World Juniors against his peer group, but in the KHL, it was almost non-existent. Uh, what do you think his fantasy value translates once he comes over and is a regular on the Habs roster? Yeah, I'm not as high as, in, uh, as high on him as some people seem to be, but I do still like him a lot, so... Uh, just trying to set reasonable expectations again, I guess. Now, is, um, would that be, sorry to interrupt you, but would that be the difference between fantasy expectations and, like, real hockey expectations? Like, he could be a very impactful and valuable player to Montreal and their, their top-pairing defenseman, but not have that same level of value when it comes to fantasy because he just, he's just not going to score very much. Is that the distinction there, or are you just overall not as not as impressed? Uh, I think a little bit of both. So 
the way I see it, I, I think he has, uh, I would project him to be a number three guy uh, with number two upside. I don't really see a number one guy, uh, but I think he's a very safe bet to be a number three guy with, with upside for, for number two. So I, I know that some people see him even higher than that, but uh, that's where I'm at. Uh, and for the offensive side of things, I think that seems to be a bit uh, overrated because of the World Junior. So he's an excellent skater. I think he's actually bigger than 5'11", which is what he's listed at. I think it would be 6'1", or something like that. He's a very physical player, loves to hit, uh, and he's great at that. Uh, doesn't take himself out of position too often with those hits, so he knows when to do them. Uh, and he has good to very good, very good skill uh, with a good shot as well. But uh, he's just not that super like creative or high-end skilled offensive guy who would put up like 50 plus points. So we're probably looking at a 40, 45 points in that range in his prime. So a very good player, uh, but not. Not the Hughes or Makar level guy. So don't believe the hype is what Yoki's saying. Um, <laughs> yeah, right on. And I noticed he's not he's not small, but he's not too big. He's 5'11", 185, so he's under 6 feet, under 200 pounds. Does he play a physical sort of game? Would he have value in bangers and mesh, keeping Carlson kind of leagues, where he can rack up some some pims and, and blocks? Uh, yeah, definitely. He, he loves to throw that body around so he he will uh, collect a lot of hits and a good amount of blocks as well uh maybe not him so much but uh <clears throat> yeah for hits especially he's gonna be a, a great option right on okay so that's a pretty good picture we've just painted of romanov i like that um i noticed that he's not actually signed by the habs as of yet um his khl contract is expired though uh I think the final, the final ruling they made, I guess, is that they have to wait until the end of this month before they can sign NHL contracts or new contracts uh, in, in a, any league. So I think we have to wait. Right, but all signs, all signs point to him coming over for September. Yes, yes. Oh. He, I, I'm pretty sure he would have signed uh, an extension already if he was planning on staying. And he said everywhere... I've I've read that he's he's crossing the point now and and I think he he's NHL ready but uh, probably starting on the bottom pair uh, unless they perhaps have too many bodies in front of him and then they might send him to the AHL for for a while but uh, he is capable of starting in the NHL right away. Right. Well, looking at the depth chart that he'll have to compete with, barring any sort of trades or free agent signings that they make in the between now and then, Montreal's got Weber and Petrie at their top two. Um, they've got Carl Alsner under contract, who I believe played in the AHL last year. Um, ben Sherratt, Brett Kulak. Um, Xavier Lett is a restricted free agent, and Christian Follin is a UFA. So... There's a lot of opportunity for him to make the team, uh, even if he's, you know, just barely good enough. There's 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 room for 
for them to fit him in the roster there. So that bodes well for him. Yeah, and also one thing is that he's used to playing that kind of a bottom pair uh, limited role in the KHL now. So it's not he's not someone who would need to play a big role right away. So he's he's already used to having that kind of a limited role to begin with, and then he can expand that role. Well, how many minutes a game do you say he was getting over in the KHL? Uh, more or less than ten? I would have to check, but I would guess that more than ten. But okay, but maybe, certainly maybe less not, less than twenty. Yeah, yeah, probably around fifteen or maybe less than that. All right, so that's that's decent. That's decent deployment. It's not you know go to, but uh, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, right, he, so was, he was getting chances to play, but just not uh, wasn't relied on heavily. On right, that team. Not, not bad for a twenty year old in the KHL. Yeah. Um, another player that's coming over that uh, has a good sh- uh, comparison for us to use from last year. We're looking at Ilya Sorokin, goaltender coming over New York Islanders property. Um, last year, the New York Rangers got Igor Shosturkin come over, and he was just fantastic. He um, played his way uh, up to the NHL after a great performance in the AHL, had a couple of games there, and, and looked just great doing it. Um, and everyone seems to be pretty high as equally on Ilya Sorokin, 24-year-old. He's six foot two. Uh, he's coming over as well. Um I guess the same situation as um, as Romanov. He hasn't officially signed with the Islanders yet, but uh, it, there's news circulating on Twitter yesterday that that he's basically all all signed, sealed, and delivered. Basically, uh, so how do we like him in comparison to Shosturkin? Uh Yeah, well, I think first of all for the situation, I think we have two great examples from last season. So. Uh, Shastyorkin, as you mentioned, started in the AHL, dominated there, and was quickly promoted to the NHL, and is now considered to be a regular on the NHL roster. And then the Columbus Blue Jackets, they had Elvis Mertzlikins, who started the season in the NHL right away, uh, struggled a bit to start the season, but then found his game and uh, managed to become kind of a number one goalie for the Blue Jackets. So I think those are the two options that the Islanders have for Sorokin. So he's going to need a bit of an adjustment period to start the season. Is it going to happen at the NHL level or in the AHL? That's up to them to decide. But either way, I think at the end of the season, he's going to be the number one goalie uh, for the Islanders. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of... Um comparison between them in, in terms of uh, their skill and upside and their ability to be a starting goalie at, at the NHL level. I think one thing that Sorokin has going for his advantage is the quality of his competition. I mean, Shosturkin forced his way in with Henrik Lundqvist and Georgiev on the NHL roster, and I guess some injuries kind of opened a, a window of opportunity for him. But looking at what the quality of competition for Sorokin is on the Islanders is much more appealing. You've got Semyon Varlamov and Thomas Grice. And Grice is an unrestricted free agent. So depending on if the Islanders re-sign Grice or not as a 34-year-old, uh, maybe they do with you know a one-year contract just to give them some some insurance in case Sorokin does need uh, some some adjustment time in North America at the AHL level. And then their non-roster goalies You've got Lena Soderstrom, Jakob Skarik, 
uh, and Chris Gibson. Um, you know, not irrelevant competition there, but nothing that, you know, I think is going to keep him out of the NHL. Uh, do, I, I like his his opportunity better than Shesterkin. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, I think Gibson is and UFA, if I remember correctly, and uh, Skarek and Söderström are not ready for any kind of NHL action. So uh, either the Islanders sign someone to be Varlamo's backup, or they just hand Sorokin that job right away. So that's pretty I'm- much at the situation yeah the other thing i really like about his opportunity is um it's new york islanders and they're a very good defensive team barry trotz is their coach uh so i think he'll be put in a in a situation that will support him and make him look as good as possible as well yeah and i think the good thing uh, oh kind of a lucky thing is that sorokin is very used to that kind of a system in in the khl so cheska was a very, very good team uh, at suppressing shots. So they don't allow a lot of shots, uh, especially from the high danger areas. So that's kind of a similar story that the Islanders are trying to build. So I think Sorokin is very used to a light workload, only getting like 20 shots in a a game and all that. So it's going to be a nice fit, I think, uh, going to the Islanders. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's a player who I think if he's available in your in your fantasy league, uh, he could have. I think he could have an impact right away. Um, I would not be surprised if if he played in the NHL in more than half of a, a season on the island as well. Um, of course, this all does depend on. Uh, we're recording this on April thirteenth, so there's a lot of a lot of time between now and whenever the NHL gets back up and running again. Um, so we'll see. Uh, let's talk about a different player now. Let's move this along. Uh, Nils Lundqvist. A lot of Rangers fans excited about their 2018 first-round pick. Uh, he's coming over from the SHL. He's uh, still unsigned as of now with the Rangers, but again, all signs point to him coming over. He had 31 points in 45 games last year in the SHL. Uh, do you think that, assuming the Rangers do sign him and he comes over to North America... What do you like his chances of, of making the NHL right away? Uh, that's going to be a bit tough because the Rangers have uh, a lot of good options, on, especially on the right side of their defense. So uh, he's going to be uh, stuck a bit behind those guys. But I, I'm pretty confident that he is, he's fine with starting in the AHL and working his way up from there. He had a great season in the SHL. He has nothing left to prove there. So I think it's it's kind of an obvious move to cross the pond now. And so maybe uh, probably starts in the AHL, maybe get some call-ups throughout the season. And then probably the year after that, he's going to be a NHL regular. Yeah, to your point, he does have... Uh... He does have some competition. Um, you know, their roster on on the Rangers right now for next season, you've got uh, Truba, uh, D'Angelo, Adam Fox all on the right side, um, Mark Stahl, Ryan Lindgren and on the roster as well. Uh, it's pretty safe to assume that they'll re-sign Anthony D'Angelo. And then in the system, it, you know, he's got some pretty good competition for NHL minutes 
coming from the minors as well with Yegor Rykov, Libor Hayek. Uh, Mick Matthew Robertson is, is still a couple of seasons away, but he is under contract. Uh, and then, of course, Keandre Miller, who's coming out of college, who I'll be talking about on uh, on the next episode with Julie Robinheimer, talking college players. So there's a lot of... A lot of roster competition for time on the blue line with the Rangers. So I would not be surprised if you're right that he plays the majority of the season coming up in the AHL, uh, gets a couple of cups of coffee with with injuries and other opportunities that come around. Um, what what do you like about his uh, fantasy upside? He seems to be a pretty offensive defenseman. Yeah, yeah, he he has a lot of offensive skill, but. Again, I think we're talking about that kind of a 40-45 point defenseman in his prime. So not not a top-end guy, but definitely leaning more towards offense. But he's also a very good defensive guy. He's, he's been working on that, that side of things the past couple of years. So he's been improving a lot defensively, and I think that will help him adjust to the NHL level. Yeah, right. Not much of a, a physical presence, though, eh? He's 5'11", 174. Yeah, yeah, I would say that he's, he's best suited for points-only league, so wouldn't really expect any kind of a peripheral stats from him. All right. So sticking with uh, Swedish players, Samuel Fajimo, uh, he was a 2019 second round pick drafted as an overager by the Los Angeles Kings. He is signed, sealed and delivered. He's under contract with the Kings and he's probably coming over. He was on loan last season to Fralunda where he had 22 points in 42 games as a... as a 19-year-old. He's just turned 20. Um, so this seems like a pretty fantasy-relevant player to me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he had that great performance at the World Juniors. Uh, don't remember if he won the scoring race or came second, but anyways, just an amazing tournament there. Uh his his season in the SHL wasn't quite as good as I expected, but he was still good, getting better from the previous season. So that's good to see progress in his game. Uh, and I think, yes, he will be crossing the pond and probably starting in the AHL. Uh, but considering the Kings are rebuilding, uh, I would assume that he can push for a spot on the NHL roster quite quickly. Right. He had a monster World Juniors this past World Junior with 13 points in seven games. So that um, that is exciting for Kings fans. Kings fans got so much to be excited about, though. They are very, very deep in terms of prospects and future considerations. Uh, OK, so I like Fajimo as well. Uh, I think he is going to there's no need for the Kings to rush him. Let him percolate, have a, a good season on what will be a really strong Ontario reign team next year um let's talk about the next player on our list and that is Grigory Denisenko Florida Panthers uh looks like he might be making his way across the pond as well a lot of upside on this player he's fantasy relevant um what do you like about Denisenko yes he, he has a lot of upside the problem is that he hasn't been developing progressing as as quickly as everyone expected him to 
it's been struggling with the adjustment to the KHL level, <clears throat> which is a bit concerning, but uh, he's shown definitely uh, a lot of good flashes. So in, in some games he looks like a top-end prospect and in some games he's just invisible. So he'll need to find that consistency and try to try to get his B games to be closer to his A games uh, to earn earn more trust from the coaches. So I think he will have to start in the AHL, uh, maybe even a full year there. But yes, definitely long-term upside is, is very high with Denisenko. Right. So he's still 19 years old. And to say that... Would, would, would you are you saying that consistency is his biggest problem then? Yeah, yeah. Uh, his his other big problem used to be uh, lack of discipline, but I think that's been improving a bit over the last couple of years. So now it's mostly uh, mostly just con- lack of consistency, which is not terribly uncommon for teenagers to struggle with that, especially when they're playing uh, pro hockey against men. So I mean, he's nineteen; he's not turning twenty until June, and this is his. Basically, his second season in the KHL. He played 38 games there this year and 25 last year. So, you know, he's been playing against men for two years as a teenager. Um, I think you can give him uh, the benefit of the doubt on that one as long as his compete level is consistent, even if his performance isn't. Um, But, yeah, given that his age is young and he doesn't have a proven track record of playing in the KHL like, um, like Kaprizov did at a similar age, uh, I think we're looking at a little bit more incubation period with Denisenko, but the upside is certainly there for sure, and he's someone that Florida and fantasy owners um, should be really looking forward to. Do you agree with all that? Yes. Right on. All right, so let's finally talk about a Finnish player. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Uh, let's talk about uh, Jesse Yolonen, uh, Montreal Canadiens. Uh, second round pick from 2018. He has been playing in your backyard for the last couple of seasons, pro hockey at Liga, uh, sorry, Liga, uh, 27 points, 22 points respectively the last two years. And uh, he's not quite signed yet, but again, we're anticipating that this is the year he he joins us over in North America. Um, I think he's going to debut in the AHL. Um, do you think he's NHL ready now at 20 years old? Uh, actually, I think he already played some AHL games just before the season was paused. I think he he crossed the pond already, but um, I'm not quite sure if he, if he had time to play any games or if he just was training with the team. But anyway, yeah, I think, he, I, I think he missed it. The elite prospects yeah. for the 1920 season has him listed on the roster, but he didn't play. Yeah, he he definitely went there and uh, started practicing with the team. But um, oh, he is signed. My sure. bad. Yeah. Well, at least to, I'm not sure if it's an a- NHL contract or some kind of a uh, AHL contract that they've had for the rest of the season. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, he will start next season in the AHL. He's not quite NHL ready. Uh, People will look at his point totals and be disappointed that his, he he regressed this season. But a couple of things to notice about that. First of all, is that the Pelicans team, which he played on, was just a complete mess. 
uh, he didn't really have much skill around him. He was most of the time just doing things by himself and they were just just a complete mess. Uh, no one on that team looked good. Uh, and the second thing is that his, his two-way game has been improving uh, for the past two years a lot. So he used to be a pure offensive guy when he was drafted and now he's he's more of a two-way winger. So that's, that's a good thing for for his uh, NHL certainty. I'm, I'm fairly confident that he will be an NHL player, but maybe his, his offensive upside isn't all that huge. So we're probably looking at a middle six winger. Right. And he is signed his entry-level contract, so he's got three years to go. So I think he signed an AHL deal for the balance of this season. Um, and then so he's got the next three years or his ELC contract. Um, his How long did he live in, in the United States for, I'm wondering? Uh, I mean, he was born in Arizona because his dad was was playing for the Coyotes, uh, Yuha um when he was born. Um, but he's all his elite prospects stats and playing career going back to 2013, 14 are all in Finland. Um, so he's, you know, he's not totally unfamiliar with North America, but um, it looks like he's spent the majority of his life in Finland. Um, do you know anything about that? Uh, I, I think he, he was in, in the United States for just a few years. Just as so, a kid. Yeah. 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 So didn't really, didn't play there. Uh, he started playing when he when he came to Finland. I'm not quite sure, but uh, that's my understanding. Right, but it might help him with the cultural transition a little bit, you know, the food and, yeah, and, and the it, language and all that. Yeah, and especially having a former NHL player as your dad, it's it's never going to hurt your career. So, Right. All right, so he's these are all been players that I've been pretty familiar with, so I'm happy to move on now and start getting into... If you listen to this podcast, um, you're probably familiar with a lot of the players we've been talking about as well. Uh, so let's get to the meat of the matter. Let's talk about Artu Rustolainen, Buffalo Sabres uh, prospect. Um, what do you know about him? And should I be really excited about him? I wouldn't say really excited. So uh, I think he's he has some upside but there's a lot of risk that he, he never reaches the NHL as well. So he's a, he's a small offensive center, uh, which is not a really a good combination. So uh, he'll probably have to switch the wing to survive in the NHL. And then he would need to earn a scoring line role, which is not an easy thing to do. He's 22, 23, whatever he is right now, signed as a free agent. So he won't be getting the same kind of opportunities as uh, first-round picks would be getting. So, uh, so those are those are the things that are working against him. But yes, he he is very skilled, uh, very talented offensively. Has a great work ethic. Uh, isn't isn't a liability defensively at all. So he's been he's been improving his two-way game this past couple of years. So. That gives him a, a reasonable shot at the NHL uh, level, but uh, I think it's still more likely that he, he won't reach the NHL. Okay. Yeah, he came over last year, um, signed as a free agent, and was at the camps anyways, and then loaned back 
uh, to Liga, where he was a point-of-game player. Um, uh, so that's pretty good. Uh, he is on the small size, 5'8", 181, but that's not like um, Sean Doogie small. I think that's that's still NHL size. <laughs> So yeah, but I think five eight for a center is is very unlikely. So that's that's yeah. gonna be something that he he needs to figure out if he if he insists on staying down the middle of he or if he's willing to switch the wing. Hey, I think for an NHL paycheck, I'd like to think most players would be like, sure, I can play on the wing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so I mean, we're talking about a point game player in the league last year um if he makes it on the on the sabers this year and and not with the rochester americans in the ahl you're looking at a potential um bottom six winger maybe maybe 20 points maybe 30 points yeah i i wouldn't expect too many points right off the bat so uh i would put money if I had to bet, I would say that uh, probably starting in the AHL and working his way up from there. Uh, and then long-term, maybe third-line upside would be reasonable. Yeah, so this is the kind of player I like if it's um, if it's a prospect draft. It includes you know, entry-level and you know, college and European free agents. He's a player that I would look at in that type of a draft that, let's say, is four rounds um, with you know around 20 teams. So you're drafting a lot of entry-level uh, prospects, and then a guy like this is someone who I would look at as a, a mid-second round and, and later. So it doesn't have the same sort of long-term upside as someone you can pick up from the entry draft, but what I like about him is you don't have to wait five years to find out if he's going to realize that potential. Now he's 22 years old, he's got a pro contract, and if he comes over and plays, you'll know after the season pretty much what you have, right? Like a good example would be maybe someone like Joel Kelman from last season. Um, came over, signed, made the NHL somewhat. Um, so you know what you have there. Uh, so that's kind of where I would group uh, players like this in. Yeah, yeah. I think in a year you'll you'll have a pretty good idea of what level of a player is he going to be. So he, he will have to dominate in the AHL pretty much right away. If he's gonna have a real future in the NHL, he's not right. gonna be a guy who will be a fourth line energy guy or anything like that. So uh, he will have to produce points quite quickly. All right, uh, let's go and talk about another defenseman, and we're gonna go Switzerland this time and talk Tim Bernie. Uh, he is a uh, Columbus 2018 sixth round pick. And he's all signed up. He's coming over. He's played in Switzerland in the last couple of years in, in their league with the ZSC Lions. Uh, 45 games, 11 points last year. Made the World Juniors for Switzerland this year. Had three points in five games as a defenseman there. Uh, is He's six foot, 183. He's now 20 years old. Is this player fantasy relevant? Uh, I, I guess it depends on the size of the league. So he, he's never really been a big point producer at any level. Uh, he's he's skilled and a very good skater, but uh, more of a two-way guy, a reliable guy you can put out there in any situation. But I wouldn't expect him to play on the power play at the NHL level. So, so probably a 30-point 
type of guy in his prime, that sort of thing. So depends on the size of the league, but for for shallow leagues, definitely not relevant. Right. And then I'm looking at their, he's a Columbus Blue Jacket prospect, and I'm, I'm looking at their roster on Cap Friendly, and you've got under contract next year, Rensky, Ryan Murray, David Savard, Marcus Nudevera, Scott Harrington, Andrew Peake. You've got Gabriel Carlson, who is an RFA. Uh, Vladislav Gavrikov is another option there. And then they've got some non-roster prospects. So I see a lot of competition on the NHL roster, but not so much on the non-roster prospects. So it looks like he might be a good long-term play and and not short-term. Um, but you know, you kind of manage your expectations for him. He's six foot one eighty-three, uh, and had eight penalty minutes in forty-five games. So not really relevant in bangers and mash either. Um, so if he's not scoring, if he's not hitting, and he's not fighting and getting penalty minutes, what's he doing for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe he gives you some blocks uh, on the PK, but that's that's about it. So, uh, but yeah, I think he he's played uh, at the men's level for three years now. He played at three different World Juniors. Uh, so those are some impressive things he's been doing. Uh, but but yeah, his his long term upside isn't all that great, and he'll probably and most likely need to start in the AHL and. And then, depending on what kind of opportunities uh, rise for him with, with injuries and all that, maybe he gets some call-ups. But uh, I would expect him to spend the uh, follow the upcoming season in the AHL. Yeah, he's the kind of player that it'd have to be a pretty late round pick in a pretty deep league for him to show up on my radar. So let's talk about a player who's got a little bit more uh, fantasy upside, a bit more boomer bust, and that is Russian winger, can't pronounce his name, Andre Altibermayakin, or McKayan. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I can't Chica- Chicago, <laughs> <laughs> Chicago Blackhawks prospect. Look him up. Uh, so he's 21 years old, 5'11", 180. Uh, he's kind of bounced around all over the leagues in Russia, KHL, VHL, MHL, uh, World Juniors. Uh, I liked what I saw from him at the World Juniors back in, in 2018. Um, pretty impressive high skill level. Uh, he's signed by the Chicago Blackhawks, so he's coming over to North America. Uh, fully expect him to play in the AHL, so this is not an immediate fantasy impact kind of player. But he is already 21 years old, so hopefully he can graduate, you know, mid-season. Um, what are your thoughts on him? Uh, yeah, he's he's a very skilled player, uh, and he's been playing at the men's level for three years as well, uh, similar to Bernie. So, so he has that kind of a, a lot of experience playing against men, but his uh, usage has been quite limited. Uh, in the KHL, so it's hard to really say how much he's developed over the past couple of years there. Uh, obviously, his his point production has been increasing, and he's been getting more and more opportunities. But uh, yeah, I would expect him to spend the the entire season in the AHL, and maybe even start the following season after that in the AHL as well, and maybe then start pushing for an NHL job. But of course, the Blackhawks are also expected to be rebuilding. I'm not sure if they really are, but they should be. So maybe opportunities <laughs> come a bit easier 
on that on that team. So right. All right. So I, I like the play on him that he's you're gonna have to wait patiently on him. But uh, I'd say the upside is is high. Um, but the potential for for busting out and being nothing is 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 pretty high as well. So he's a nice boomer bust prospect. If you can pick him up late, why not? Um, kind of a swing for the fences kind of player. Um, okay, so a couple more guys real quick just to touch on them. These are players that I don't think are coming over, but I'm really excited about them. And uh, they've done a lot to get on people's radar. They're, they're widely fantasy owned. Um, so let's talk about these guys real quick. Uh, Nils Hoglander, Vancouver Canucks prospect. Uh, we were expecting him to stay over in Europe. I, I think so. I don't have any any details one way or the other, but uh, I think another year in the SHL would be good for him. He hasn't been able to really uh, dominate at that level yet. So if he was crossing the point now, that would mean uh, a bunch of time in the AHL. So I think staying in the SHL would be would be better for his development right now. Yeah, he hasn't cracked 20 points a season yet. Um, he is still only 19 years old, but he does show up on the highlight reel from time to time, and when he does, it is very impressive. So this is a player that I think a lot, and it, he was at the World Juniors, he had 11 points in seven games there. Um, so people who don't who live in North America and don't scout European leagues, all they would have seen from him is basically what I've seen, World Juniors and some pretty juicy highlight reel goals um so you think that 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 standard expectation is perhaps needs to be tempered a little bit or is that something he can grow into and, and produce like that on a full-time basis he's only a second round 2019 draft pick by the canucks yeah i think he has some of the best individual skills out of any prospect in the world so his his uh stick handling skills and and all that they are just hand-eye coordination and all that they are just uh, outside the range of what I would expect prospects to have. So just he, he's setting the standard for those categories. But for his his hockey sense and like playmaking abilities, vision, those are closer to average, I would say. So I think that will limit his, his upside a little bit. But he's a, he's a great skater, great work ethic on the ice. So he'll, he'll chase after every single puck until he gets it so so those are things that will give him success at the nhl level but maybe uh don't expect like 90 points more of a 65 70 point player right on i love those aggressive forechecking charlie hustle type players that's that's my kind of guy um and i like owning them in my fantasy league too because when i watch them play I like to cheer for them even more. Um, okay, so the next guy on my list is Dominic Bach. Um, has become a Carolina uh, Hurricanes prospect in a recent trade. Um, drafted by the St. Louis Blues in 2018. He was their first round pick. He is actually signed up by Carolina. Um, but I think we're predicting that he's going to play the full season in the AHL with the Charlotte Checkers, yeah? Yeah, either that or then they loan him back to the SHL. So I think, again, this is a situation where another year in the in the SHL would be best for his development, but uh, also a year in the AHL 
wouldn't hurt him either. So uh, either of those two, but he's not NHL ready by any means. So he will need more more time to develop. So looking at his uh, elite prospects page, um, in the 18-19 season, he had 23 points in 47 games. So about a half a point a game production with Vaxjo. And then last year he played with Rogel. He was on loan with them and he only had 17 points in 45 games. So about the same number of points, but are games played, but he regressed in his point production a little bit. Um, can you speak to that? Yeah, Rogel is uh, not as good of a team as, as Faxio was back then. So I think it's just a matter of uh, line mates and quality of teammates. All right, but also, also he didn't uh, progress as 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 we expected him to, so more more or less uh, stalled uh, this past season. So that's that's not a great sign, but also it's it's understandable. The SHL is a great league; nothing comes easily there. So uh, it's it's not a death blow by any means. And he started to look much much better. After the World Juniors, he found his confidence at the World Juniors, had a great tournament there, and he, he had a much better second half of the season before it was cancelled. Right, he was almost a goal a game at the World Juniors, and he played this season as a 19-year-old. He just turned 20 in February, so um, yeah, still a lot to like there. Um, so I think just basically I'd be saying keep your eye on him. He is signed and could come over and, and play. But even if he does, my prediction is he'll play north of 60 games in the AHL this coming season, uh, unless he absolutely explodes. But uh, probably could be loaned back to uh, to the SHL for one more year. Um, either way, he's coming soon, and he's going to be good when he gets here. Uh, okay, so let's let's wrap up with two more players, both from your backyard here. Um Eustis to Noonan, everyone became pretty familiar with him after he stepped onto the world stage at the World Juniors. He's a Colorado Avalanche prospect, big-time goalie. Um, the rich get richer with Colorado. Uh, you I, you and I think that he's got one more year over in Finland before he comes over? I think so. Uh, he, he had a great season, for sure. He basically uh, took over the number one job for Karapat, which is the best best team in the Liga. So that's that's an impressive feat for a 19-year-old, especially when he was battling against Patrick Rubar, who is a, a really good goalie as well. Uh, the reason he didn't play a ton of games is that he had, I think, three different injuries during the season. So he missed time because of those injuries. Otherwise, he would have played a, a bunch more games. Uh, his, his, when he played, he was just awesome. Uh, but I think having that full year of being a number one guy, getting a lot of starts, uh, is going to be good for his development. So I, I'm expecting that to happen. Yeah, he did play 20 games internationally for Finland as well as the 23 games he played in the Liga. And um, I don't remember exactly what his, his shutout streak was last season, but I remember it being otherworldly. Like he played like 10 games and had about five shutouts or something along those lines, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that to start the season. Uh, he broke the Liga shutout record in the meantime. So, yeah, definitely a great season when he played. Right, and he's just turned 20 as well. So goalies tend to take a little bit longer to develop. Um, he's got good size, 6'4", 207. 
Um, but Elite Prospects is anticipating that he plays uh, in Finland again next year. He's not signed by the Colorado Avalanche. So I think it's safe to say that um, be patient with him. But hey, man, if he's available in your league, he could be um, he could be absolutely fantastic. A future franchise starting goaltender in with an NHL career is, is my opinion. Are you as high on him as I am? Uh Maybe wouldn't label him as a franchise goalie, but uh, but definitely has a number one goalie upside. Uh, so a top 15, top 10 type of a goalie, uh, that kind of upside I would give him. But but yeah, uh, I've, I've been a big fan of him since he was 17 or maybe even before that. So uh, this this season, even though it was better than anyone expected, but uh, wasn't really shocking because he's been a great prospect. Uh, for a few years now. Right. And we talked about him on a, on a previous episode too earlier uh, in the season. Uh, another player we talked about, I think it was on our World Junior preview for Finland. Uh, another player we talked about there that I'm bringing up again right now, and I still don't know how to pronounce his name right, it's Matthias Michelli. Um, Arizona Coyotes winger prospect. He's 19 years old. Played two seasons in North America already in the USHL, where he was drafted from. And uh, last year was his first pro season in the Liga. He looked very good. 30 points, 43 games as a 19-year-old. Um, he is unsigned, so as a 19-year-old, it, it's probably safe to say that he'll be back in Finland again next year. That's where you see him playing. Yes, yes, I do. Uh, I think he he won the Rookie of the Year award in Liga. had a had a great offensive season, but uh, he started slowing down a bit late in the season. Uh, he was scratched for some games as well; didn't get to play. Uh, and his his play without the puck is the one thing that needs a lot of work before he's gonna see any kind of a. NHL opportunity. We saw that at the World Juniors as well. So when he has the puck on his stick, he's he's capable of doing amazing things. But without the puck, he's a bit lost. Doesn't really know what to do and doesn't know how to cover his his guys. So that's gonna require more work. Uh, I think the Liga is a, is a great place for him to learn that before crossing the pond. Yeah, right on. He is only 19 years old. Uh, looked pretty good at the World Juniors with Finland, too. Um, definitely a player that I think has a lot of good, safe upside and, and value that is worth the stashing him on your prospect roster uh, and waiting a couple of years for him to arrive. Um, okay, so let's talk about a couple of players who are free agents, and that in that they've never been drafted before uh, or signed as a contract and are on the radar for coming over to the NHL this season. Uh, and again, as we record this on April, they may or may not get signed, but whenever your prospect or entry draft is, that's when you want to maybe circle back on these guys, check out on Elite Prospects and see uh, where they've been signed, and then, of course, go to Dauber Prospects and see what our, um, our scouts have to say about them. One player that has been signed very recently, Toronto Maple Leafs picked up forward Alex Barabanov. Uh, Russian winger. Do you know much about him? Yeah, I've been a fan of Barabanov for, for a few years now. I was hoping, I think it was two years ago when he his contract was up and I was hoping he would cross the pond back then, but he decided to sign an extension, stay stay in the KHL for 
couple of more years and uh, I don't know if that was really a good decision for him but either way uh, now he's he's signed by the Leafs uh, uh, I think he's he's gonna get a lot of hype because of the Leafs uh, but I wouldn't be too carried away by him he's probably just gonna be a bottom six winger at the NHL level so he was he was a top nine winger in the KHL sometimes filling in uh, in, in the top six role but I would label him more as a third line player there as well uh, so he, he's a very good skater good individual skills good effort so a lot of things to like for the coaches but he's he doesn't really have that kind of a high-end skill uh, which would allow him to put up big numbers so right. most likely just a cheap depth player for the leaves for a couple of years uh, limited offensive numbers let's say like 30 points something like that right so let your uh, leaf fan friends uh, reach a little early on the draft and, and pick them up sooner than they should <laughs> is yeah. what you're saying no, uh, last... so, yeah. <laughs> these, these, these leaves guys they, they usually get picked way before I would so guilty uh so last season the Leafs signed uh Ilya Mikheyev and he had a very good um first season in the NHL he only played 40 games limited to injury 39 actually but he had 23 points uh so you're saying tap the brakes on that kind of expectations with Barbaranov yeah don't expect Mikheyev type type of a player or that kind of an impact so Mikheyev was was always a better player he's he's younger more skilled so yeah not not okay. as good as Mikhail. right on uh so let's go with um a player i'm really interested to hear what you have to say about this guy and that is defenseman miko Lettinen. could be one of the better free agent prospects coming over from europe um, played with yogurt which is actually in the khl and as a defenseman he had 17 goals 49 points in 60 games. He's uh, he's a little on the older side at 26 years old, but he's never been drafted. Six feet, 196. And uh, yeah, this season, I mean, he's been good, his career, but this season seemed to really explode. Uh, change of scenery, I noticed that he changes his teams pretty much every season. Um, so what's the story on Miko Lettinen? Yeah, well, first of all, I think we should clarify that he's not technically a free agent because he still has another year left on his KHL contract. But because he, he plays for Jokeric, which is a Finnish uh, club in the KHL, that uh, some people are hoping that they will uh, allow him to, to reach his NHL dream and uh, terminate the contract. So let's see what happens with that. But anyways, right as of right now he still has a year remaining on his contract and he has said that that obviously he will have to uh, have to play out that year unless some sort of an agreement can be can be made with the club so hmm. so that remains to be seen but if he gets out of his KHL contract he's going to be the best european free agent available so he had a this was his rookie season in the KHL uh, he was I think the best defenseman in the league uh, can't really think of anyone who would who would be even close to him uh, when it comes to that. Just a great offensive guy, but a great skater, good shot, but also 
not a liability defensively, so he can he can play a pretty solid two-way game. So I think that will help him uh, make the leap to the NHL right away as, as soon as he can get out of his <laughs> KHL contract, whether it's this summer or the next. But because he's so so old already for a prospect, so uh, his upside won't be that amazing, but I think he has a much better chance of actually getting to the NHL compared to like Joel Persson or Oliver Kaski, all these kind of guys who have been jumping jumping to North America at a later age, who have been great offensive guys, but they haven't really had that uh, two-way game, which is required there. Interesting. Do, do you have any... Um opinion about why his offensive production increased so much this season over all the other years or is this just his coming out party or was it an aberration or was he on a, a really stronger team uh, was there something that you could specifically point to there uh, I think he, he started uh, started his climb already last spring so he had a great world championship tournament for Finland he was one of the best players in that tournament and that was when the when the speculation already started that hey maybe this guy should be signing an NHL contract instead but and he probably would have but he had already made that two year contract with Joker by that time so uh, there was a lot of interest uh, already after the World Championship tournament last spring so it wasn't really shocking that he had a great season uh, and I think it was just him finding himself as a player. Uh, getting confidence in his abilities and then of course Jokerit also provides him uh, great uh, surroundings great surroundings for him to play and be that number one offensive option on their blue line so all those things came together for basically a perfect season for him a perfect storm right yeah all right. Um, so another player that I'm interested in is another Finnish player that you're probably very familiar with, and that's uh, Julius Natanen. Um, he's 6'2", 205 center, so a big center, 23 years old. Um, he was drafted in 2015, second round, um, 59th overall by the Ducks. Uh, he played in North America already. He's had a couple of seasons in the OHL. And he played at 17-18 in the AHL, where he had 12 points in 55 games. But for the last two years, he's been uh, in Liga. So what's, I guess, his contract and his rights to Anaheim, that's all expired, which makes him a free agent. Uh, Seems to be some NHL interest in him. What do you think about him? Yeah, he's an interesting case because uh, you mentioned that he's a a center and he, he really used to be. But nowadays, he's a winger. So okay. he's been a he's been a winger since he moved back to Finland, and the funny thing is that he really reinvented himself when he came back to Finland from the Ducks organization. So he was a playmaking center back in his uh, CHL and AHL days, and now he's a goal scoring winger. So I think that's a that's a player finding his actual role instead of being forced to play some kind of a role that he's expected to play so I think that's that's been the big difference in his game that he's now comfortable in his in his skin basically being able to do the things that he wants to do and all the other parts so he's he's a big guy but he's also a very good skater uh, 
decent two-way player as well, so not a liability. So I think those will help him. But I think he will probably start in the AHL once again and then work his way up. But I think he he definitely has NHL upside, so probably a third-line goal-scoring winger in a, in a year or two. Yeah, his points doubled from the season before. He had 23 and 41 in 18-19, and then this season he had, you know, he's a point a game, 55 points in 54 games. When did he make the, is that when he made the, the transition or when he reinvented himself or... Um, or am I just looking at a snapshot of a long and gradual curve? Yeah, I think the 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 change started when he came to Finland. So it took him took him a year to get comfortable with that. And then this season, yeah, he he was comfortable from the get go. And his his first half of the season was just incredible. He was possibly the best player in the league. He he slowed down a bit in the second half. wasn't wasn't all that great anymore in the second half, but uh, all in all, it was a great season. He didn't have a ton of support either on his team, so he had to do a lot of things by himself, which is something that makes it even more impressive. All right. So we're looking at him signing as a free agent this year then and uh, and still percolating more than likely in the AHL for a little bit, eh? Yeah, I think he still needs a bit bit more time to... Uh, to get his game together, but I mean, uh, a big guy who can skate really well and score goals, not be a liability defensively. I, I would be shocked if he didn't get NHL offers. Right. So there's a lot to like there. So he's someone to definitely want to put on your fantasy radar. Um, you might have to wait a season on him, but not much longer. He's either going to make it or he's not. Uh, the next player, and this guy's got a lot of uh, attention. I think. Um, Elliot Friedman has been talking about him a little bit on his 31 Thoughts. Is uh, KHL defenseman Artyom Zub, or Zub, 24-year-old, same birthday as me. Um, his contract has expired, and he put up 22 points in 57 games this season past with St. Petersburg. Uh, where does the NHL appeal come from here? Is it NHL kind of... Um, real-life sort of player value, or is this a guy that has some fantasy value as well? Uh, I think the appeal comes from the, uh, his his maturity, so I think he's pretty much NHL ready at this point, uh, so he can he can be added to your bottom pair right away, and he he'll provide solid, uh, reliable minutes there, but he won't be doing anything special with those minutes so he has a really good shot he started using that more and more this season which which led to his higher goal amount but his playmaking abilities are not that great so i'm not seeing him as a power play option at the nhl level at all more of a more of a reliable two-way guy who can move the puck be be good defensively provide a physical presence as well so uh, those kind of things i think are, are what NHL teams are looking for in him. Right. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of um, rumors linking him to a team like Ottawa. So this would be another good example of let your sense fans reach and pick him earlier than maybe they should. Um, getting all excited about that player and then making a better value pick with, with, <laughs> with yourself in the same round that he might go, huh? Yeah. I, I wouldn't expect more than like 10 to 15 points from him 
right. at any point. So, so yeah, I wouldn't be reaching for him. All right, so let's talk about a different defenseman then. Uh, Swedish defenseman Johans Kinvall. Uh, he's 22, 5'11", 181. Uh, put up 40 points this season in 51 games. 22 the season before. So he was able to double his point production. Um, but he did switch teams from Timra to HV71 this season. And I think his contract situation is expired as well so he could be a free agent too um tell us a little bit about this guy yeah he he moved to a much better team so that definitely helped uh team row was not not a good team at all so so it was a good good change for him but he's an offensive guy a lot of offensive skill good skater but his his even strict minutes were quite limited this season he wasn't really trusted to play a lot of minutes at even strength but he did a lot of damage on on the power play i think he scored like 50 percent of his points on the power play uh was the number one option for for the team there so uh he's a kind of a intriguing guy he's gonna need more development time not nhl ready by any means but in, in a couple of years, if his game keeps developing, maybe he can reach the NHL. And if he does, he's, he's going to be there to produce points. So he won't be there to, to play defense all that much. So, so I think he's a, he's a nice gamble late in late rounds if you can wait a couple of years and see, see what happens. Right. Well, he is 22. Uh, he'll be 23 this summer, so I wouldn't want to sit on him too many years uh, with him on my prospect bench because the clock is ticking on him, so sooner or later for him. Uh, okay, so the next guy, uh, maybe the last one, and then we'll talk about some draft-eligible guys. Um, Emily or Emil uh, Suomi. Emily Finland. Uh, <laughs> Finnish uh, forward. Uh, what's the story with him? Yeah, uh, funny quick story. Uh, when when Finland had its uh, 100th uh, birthday, 100 years of independence, they gave Emily Suomi the jersey number 100 for for a game to have that Suomi 100 jersey. <laughs> but yeah, uh, he's a he's a skilled guy at the league level. But uh, if he's going to play in the NHL, I think he's gonna be more of a energy guy on the fourth line so he has that kind of uh, ability to play both roles he's a heart and soul type of leader and uh, and player so so he is capable of playing that fourth line energy role i don't really see his offensive skills being good enough for anything more than than the fourth line role so i wouldn't be too excited about his potential all right yeah, he's been uh, the captain for three seasons, um, two seasons now, actually, in, in the league. And he's a point-a-game player uh, this season past, and he's only 24. Uh, so he's not too young. Uh, but, you know, to your point, never drafted. Uh, and this was a bit of a breakout. Mm, not really, actually. He's had two seasons past was 40 points playing on the same team. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he he plays with Artur Ruotsalainen, who we talked about earlier. So those two have been uh, coming through the Ilves system together. They, they have a 
year or two in difference between them, but they they both basically uh, took over the team, kind of uh, took over the top line for the team, and both uh, have had two great seasons because of it. So they they have great chemistry, uh, but I think Ruotsalainen is the one who is driving that line offensively, and Suomi is providing more of a two-way presence and like work ethic and all that to that line. Right. So you, you don't think Captain Finland's got a chance to come over to the NHL so much and that he's got a, a better career staying home in Finland? Uh, depends on what he wants to do. So if he wants, if he's willing to work really, really hard to earn that fourth line spot every day, you know, those are some of the toughest jobs in the NHL, uh, being able to keep that fourth line energy role. Uh, you need to work harder than anyone else on the team. So if he's willing to do that, then I think he has a chance to do it. But uh, if he wants to take an easier road and maybe play in the KHL and play in an offensive role there, then that's definitely another option for him. Right on. All right. So that pretty much wraps up this part of our conversation regarding uh, European free agents and players that are that are pros already and, and could be fantasy relevant for you this year or, or in the short term. Um, not a lot of uh, franchise player options to be had out of these guys, but uh, some good uh, potential value that you can pick up in a draft or with a with a waiver wire or something to that effect where you can get some value for for free. Uh, so let's change gears. And um, while I've got you on the podcast, uh, let's talk a little bit about the entry draft players um, the coming from, from Europe, of course. Uh, I just did on my previous episode, um, my top 31 rankings. I don't know if you heard it. Maybe you can tell me where I made a mistake. Um, but particularly doing my research, uh, there is a couple of players that are coming out of Europe that uh, we're getting a lot of recognition that um i don't really have much of a file on uh so i really kind of wanted to pick your brain on them uh and really the top of that list would be um guy i don't know how to pronounce his name i don't think he knows how to pronounce his name uh shakir mukamadulin mukamadulin yeah i don't know either (laughs) how to pronounce it Yeah, it's uh, one of the funniest names in this draft class. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's they're gonna have a hard time fitting that on a jersey. Uh, <laughs> anyways, I, I don't really have any file on this kid. Uh, I read a little bit about him online, um, and you have him ranked on our Dauber Prospects European rankings at 39th. Uh, so you have him actually a little bit on the low side, and you've got some some input here from uh, our Russian prospects uh scouts as well uh but some of the other uh rankings that i've seen had him as high as a first round um so kind of paint a picture of of this player for me please yeah he's he's a really weird one because uh he started the season in the khl uh didn't really earn that spot i have no idea why they gave him that spot uh he wasn't ready for the khl he wasn't doing anything for the team uh, so it was just a weird decision. And then he also got a chance to play on the Russian U20 team uh, in, in this Helsinki tournament in November, I think. 
which was also weird because he hadn't earned that spot. He wasn't ready for that level. So uh, I don't know where the, I think those things are what people are seeing that they, he's getting all these great opportunities and playing against men and playing at the higher level. And uh, But when I'm watching him, I'm not seeing much of anything. So he's a big guy, uh, not a very good skater, not a very skilled player, uh, not that physical either, but he, he's still very raw. He needs to add a lot of muscle, a lot of strength to his body. But uh, yeah, I don't really know any European scouts who have him high. So I think it's it's mostly the North American guys who who like him a lot. So I'm not sure why. Uh, but that, but that's, that is, that's just my my idea of him. That is pretty unique. It's usually the other way around. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about another Russian player, um, one that I have seen a little bit and that I am a little bit excited about, and Alexander Passion. Um, he's a player that I like because he, as I mentioned before, he kind of fits in that mold of um, being a really aggressive forechecking, high energy kind of player. Um, in the small sample size that I've seen, anyways, that's that's what I've noticed. Uh, what do you like about uh, Alexander Passion? Uh, he had a great Linka Gretzky tournament. I think that's driving up his value a lot. He he was just one of the best best players in that tournament. But uh, his his club play he's been good in the MHL, the Russian Junior League, but not awesome. Uh, so I wouldn't really put him in the first, maybe maybe second, third round range is where I have him right now. Uh, I wouldn't put him higher than that because he's really small, I think like 5'7", which is fine, uh, but it's going to be causing some problems uh, moving up the ladder. So it's not irrelevant, but also uh, I think he doesn't really have that kind of high-end skill that you would want to see from a 5'7 guy. So he, he's a really good skater, great work ethic, like you said. He, he's he's chasing after the pucks really well and has really good skill, but just not high-end. Interesting. All right, so a fun player to watch. He'd be a fun player to own in your fantasy league, but uh, not... Not going to put up a lot of points. Um, okay, so let's talk about another player that I, I see ranked very highly on a lot of lists. And he got some consideration for uh, the Dauber Prospects fantasy ranking the draft. So this is a guy who, at the start of the season, a lot of people thought had some some really good offensive fantasy upside. And that is Casper Simontevil. Simontevil. <laughs> Something like that. Simon Pivel. There you go. Yes. Uh, okay, so uh, let's let's talk about him a little bit. Uh, yeah, he's been a, a well-known prospect in Finland for a few years now, so everyone has been expecting him to be a dominant player uh, at every age group, and he pretty much has been. He's been dealing with a lot of injuries, not this season luckily, but the two seasons before this, he had a lot a lot of injuries, which obviously are not a good thing for a 16, 17-year-old kid to go through. They they will affect your development some way. Uh, but this season he's managed to stay healthy. 
Uh, he's been improving his two-way game a lot. So he's even able to play on the PK now, able to protect the lead late in the game. Those are really great signs for a guy who was before this season just known as a pure offense, offensive guy. So um, then when we come to that offensive upside, I think it's one of the highest in this draft class. So if we talk about pure offensive upside, he has like top 20 potential. But uh, because he's small, 5'8", uh, hasn't been able to play against men all that much yet uh, and all that. Uh, it's it's going to be a bit risky. We'll see what happens. But I think he he's probably going to slide outside the first round, but I would be jumping all over him in the early second round if he's still available there. All right. I like the sound of that. Sounds like he's definitely fantasy relevant. Um, okay, so the next uh, draft eligible prospect that has started to get uh, a little bit more notoriety and has caught my attention on a variety of lists is Swedish defenseman Helge Granz. Uh, big kid, 6'3", 192 at 17 years old. Um, does he have some some fantasy upside or some bangers and mash upside or what's the story on, on Granz? Uh, definitely has a lot of offensive upside. So he's an offensive guy. Uh, I know some people would just look at the size and assume that he he's more of a defensive guy, but I wouldn't want him on the PK or protecting a lead or anything like that. So he's an offensive guy, uh, has really good puck moving abilities, a, a great skater for his size, just uh, glides. His glide is just awesome. Uh, it's it's a pleasure to watch that. The the negative thing about him is his decision making. So uh, occasionally he'll make these awful awful decisions with the puck. He'll just basically give it away and cause a breakaway against. So that's something he will need to work on. And also the defensive side of things, uh, basically all parts of it but especially the defensive zone coverage needs a lot of work. Uh, but he had a great season, which was not surprising. He already made his SHL debut uh, a year ago. So it was sort of expected that he would get more SHL games this season. He started the season in the junior league, had a great start of the season there, and then was promoted to the SHL level where he pretty much stayed for the second half of the season. And he's expected to be a full-time SHL player next season. But, but yeah, one of the best offensive upsides uh, in this draft class from the defensive position. But some people really hate his decision-making. So that's going to be uh, the the difference if you have him in the first round like I, like I do. Or maybe even in the third round like some others do. So. Is his defensive liability enough to keep him out of the NHL? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I think he he has the tools to improve his his game in that area enough. He 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 will never be a start defensive guy, but I think he'll be good enough to play in the NHL, and not be a complete liability. 
Right, and he's got size, which which doesn't hurt. Um, yeah, and okay. a right-handed shot, so that's also always valuable. Right on. Okay, so we've got uh, you got ranked overall. We're going in reverse order here. Simon Tavial is twelfth. Granz is eleven, and the next thing I want to talk about is is the tenth ranked guy, and that's uh, Zion Nybeck, and he's a five-eight winger, um, and he looks like he's a bit of a sniper. Uh, what's the story with Nybeck? Uh, yeah, I would say maybe like like a better version of Pashin, so uh, with more offensive skills. So uh, Nybeck is also also a very good uh, puck hound. He will chase after pucks, but he's also very very skilled with the puck. He can make plays. He can he can shoot the puck. He can do everything with the puck and and he's pretty decent defensively as well so i think that will will help him he's been improving that side of things this season sort of a similar story as with Kasper Simon Taival that they both have uh, a very high upside they have been improving defensively uh, but they are still small and unproven at the men's level what's the speed like um I would say good to very good, but I I know that some people want to see like high end speed from small guys, and he doesn't have that. So uh, it's it's not not bad by any means, but it's not uh, high end. Right. Okay. So he is only 17 years old at five eight one seventy six. So the height is a little bit on the short side, but that's not as big a concern for me as the weight at 176. He's going to have to put some some bulk on uh, in order to play uh, at the NHL level. He does have 15 games of pro hockey experience last season in the SHL. Did you get a chance to see any of those games? Uh, he played very, very little minutes. So the yeah. SHL clubs have often uh, 13 forwards, and he was often the 13th forward who played just few shifts here and there, so, so nothing yeah. really, really to learn from them. But uh, the good thing is that Nybeck has this uh, escapability, which is a really good trait for small players. So it's really hard to pin him down to the boards and even get him with a hit. So he somehow manages to avoid those situations. And I think that's, that's going to be a great tool for him uh, when he moves up the ladder to the men's level. So my follow-up question every time I hear that or that I expect to be asked when I say that is, does they have this escapability? Does that mean that he's got a really good hockey IQ and he just doesn't put himself in vulnerable positions? Or is it that he's the kind of player that avoids danger zones and, and high traffic areas and, um, you know, for the lack of a better word, uh, is afraid? of the physicality of the game because i've seen both those things in, in players before and you could say that they don't put themselves in there is they have the escapability is it escapability or or avoidance that we're talking about with nybeck uh in his case it's it's escapability so he's not afraid to go to to those danger zones he will he will jump right in if he has to but also when he has to puck he he makes smart decisions uh so that he doesn't get run over. He understands that uh, pretty much all the players he's playing against are going to be bigger than him, so he needs to do something <laughs> else instead of just running through them. 
That's good, though. I mean, that that's important because if you have this sort of reckless abandon where you just throw yourself into positions where you could get concussed or your knees blown out um, or boarded, uh, you're going to miss games to injury. And, you know, it's hard to rack up points when you're not playing. Uh, so that's that's good. I like that. Yeah, and um, I think that's if we compare him to Simon Taival, I think that's something that he will have to learn at some point. So. Uh, he's still driving, uh, cutting to the middle when there are defenders coming his way and all that, uh, which will be really dangerous when he moves up to the men's level. Uh, at the junior level, you can still do that when you're 5'8", you can cut to the middle at full speed and uh, get get that great scoring chance. But at the men's level, you need to be careful because they will run you over and you will be missing time because of an injury quite easily. Yeah, yeah, you've just made me think of Scott Stevens on Eric Lindros. Um, Okay, uh, a couple more players just to squeak in here. We're we're running a little long. Uh, Noel Gunler, uh, the gunslinger, I called him on my rankings. Um, Is his forte shooting in his shot arsenal? Yeah, definitely a a goal scorer uh, more than anything else. He has one of the best releases in this draft class. Uh, maybe even better than Holtz's, but Holtz has uh, other attributes to his shot selection. But Gunnar really has that elite release. He can mask it. He can, he, can, he can do it really quickly before you can even realize he can change the angle and all that. So that's definitely his strength. Uh, a lot of people will be having him lower in the rankings because he hasn't played internationally. Uh, but I don't really care about that. Uh, I care about his his capabilities and what he's shown uh, in, in the Swedish Hockey League. So those are more important to me than some international tournaments. Yeah, which is why he's made this list. Is I know I, I've seen a lot of people say some really nice things about him. I've uh, not had the... The privilege of, of watching him play because uh, I don't watch SHL games, but uh, yeah, man, uh, that's that's good to hear. Um, he is a little bit on the beanstalky side. He's six two, but one seventy four. Um, he's eighteen years old, um, so hopefully he can uh, fill out that that tall thin frame a little bit. Uh, does he play a physical game at all? Does he take advantage of of his size? Like he can't be throwing his weight around because he doesn't have any. But um, <laughs> yeah. But it sounds like yeah. he's got a long reach. So does how is his puck protection skills that way? Yeah, he will. He will definitely need to work on that once he gets gets more man strength. So he's a he's a skinny guy right now, uh, which will affect the way he plays against men. Uh, but yeah, I think he has that tall frame. So once he feels it, uh, it's it's gonna be another dimension to his game. Uh, not not a strength for him. I don't see him suddenly turning into a physical presence uh, when he's never really been that kind of a player. But I think it will help with the puck protection and and all that. Uh, but yeah, he's he's been a bit of a difficult player to project for anyone because he's the type of a player who needs to play that uh, offensive role, preferably a top six role with power play time, and he hasn't been getting a lot of that in the SHL. Uh, so it's really tough to evaluate him as a player and his growth as a player when he's not being able to 
played the kind of a role that he would need to play. So if he gets picked, let's say, you know, in the second round or something like that, and you pick him up in your fantasy draft, you have the potential of getting a, a top six offensive forward in the NHL in about four or five years. Um, and then it's either that or he never makes it to the NHL at all. Is he a boomer bust kind of offensive player? Uh, yeah, I think so. I don't really see him as a, as a bottom six player at all. So I think he will he would have to be a top six offensive guy. Right. But I think if he if he somehow slides to the second round, that would be just amazing for for any team that picks him because I have him in that elite top eleven. So and I don't really see anyone outside of that top 11 challenging him for, for a spot in that group. So uh, anything after, let's say, top 20 would seem crazy to me. But uh, I have seen some rankings yeah, where he is in the second round. And uh, that, that just seems insane for me. <laughs> People who haven't watched him play and, and don't know enough about him, no doubt. Yeah, but um, and also, like I mentioned, it, it's, it's a tough player to evaluate when it's been like this for almost two years now he's been playing in the shl mostly for for the past two years and he hasn't been getting the kind of role that he would need to to really shine and show his abilities so uh that's gonna be something that will uh cause different evaluations when when there's not much to evaluate so maybe he's the kind of player that gets picked late late in the first round or early in the second and um a lot of people over here in hockey pools in north america don't really know much about him and, and then a couple years later it's like oh my god how did this guy get picked so late um okay a couple more players let's go uh two for one we'll talk about two of my favorite german players uh jj paterka and tim stutzla um Fell in love with both these guys watching them play for Germany at the World Juniors. And I'm starting to see Tim Sutzla as a pretty consistently top three ranked player on a lot of people's draft boards. Um, he was just dynamite and explosive and electric and the at the World Juniors. I love that he was so puck hungry that he's always he's always given the beaver tap, demanding the demanding the puck, and, and then when he got it, he made things happen. He became the focus of attention for the the teams playing against Germany, and that's who they were trying to shut down. And playing against elite players at his age group on the world stage like that, uh, he was able to to overcome the 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 forechecking pressure that he got, um, and still produce and at times dominate. Um, so I, I can see why all the hype is around Stutzla. Um, however. Uh, you have him ranked second overall behind Lucas Raymond. Um, I, I imagine that that's quite close. So let's talk a little bit about Stusla first. Um, yeah, I think the uh, the one two in this draft I, I think is pretty clear. And Stutzla and Lucas Raymond are the two guys I have bouncing between three and four. I'm not quite sure which one will end up on top, but those two are. Uh, in a tire of their own in that three to four range for me. Uh, yeah, basically the, the Stutzl that you saw at the World Juniors is the same player we've been seeing in Dell this entire season. So uh, you mentioned that he, he was playing against his age group, but actually he was playing against 
guys who are two years older than him. So he was 17 year old against 19 year olds for the most part in that tournament. And he was still right. able to dominate. And, and in the Dell, he's been playing against uh, men playing against like, a large portion of the league is former AHL players, maybe bubble players between a- NHL and AHL. And they're now playing in, in Europe uh, and they're playing in Dell. And he's been just that same kind of a dominant offensive player there as well, running the, the Mannheim power play, the top power play in the league. Uh, he was the focal point of that power play. So that's just super impressive stuff that he's been doing at age 17. And he has all the tools you can you can want from a elite offensive guy at the skating, the playmaking division, the, the stick handling and all that. His shot still needs some work, but that's the easiest part to, to improve over time. And, and obviously he'll need to add some muscle to his frame as well, but those are the easiest things to, to fix. So uh, I think he's done everything he can in Dell. So uh, I can see him jumping to North America after, after the draft, maybe starting in the AHL to get used to that new level and then uh, earning earning an NHL spot pretty soon after. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a long wait. Right. So if you uh, if you wind up with third overall pick in your uh, fantasy lottery draft, um, I wouldn't really be very disappointed with that at all. I mean, you're guaranteed to get one of Lafreniere, Byfield, or Stutzla. Yeah, and uh, if you in, in you, a fantasy you'd extend draft, that to four, right? Eh? Yeah, and I think in in a fantasy draft you should probably include Marco Rossi there as well. So he's he's in a similar situation. So probably uh, our good chance of him playing in the NHL next season. So that drives up his value as well, and I think that will drive down Lucas Raymond's value a little bit in fantasy leagues. That he will need at least one more year. Uh, but when we talk about their ultimate upside in in five to seven years. I think Lucas Raymond is definitely in that same discussion as well. Right. That's uh, similar to what Craig Button said. I asked him who the most NHL ready players were, uh, and he included Rossi and um, uh, Anton Lundell into into that category. So he agrees with you on Rossi. Um, Okay, so the other German player that I kind of wanted to hit on was J.J. Paterka. Uh, I liked what I saw from him at the World Juniors, too. I don't think he's got um, half the offensive upside that Stutzla has. Um, but uh, he was a very good forechecking player. I really liked how he was able to uh, read the plays and understand the positioning. And um, he was a very good two-way player. Um, and he was able to cash in on some some goals. He scored some nice goals, and he scored some greasy goals, too. Um, so I kind of moved him into my second-ranked uh, German player in the draft. Um, you have him ranked third, um, I guess, behind Reichel? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay, that's fair. Um, you know more about these guys than me. Um, what is it that you do like about Paterka? Uh, Paterka is uh, just an awesome skater. Uh, I don't know what they do in, in Germany, but they, oh, all of these three guys are just great skaters. I think that's that's the that's the best attribute of Peterka that he he has great speed he can he has that uh, breakaway speed he can if you give him half a step he he's gonna be gone 
you won't catch him after that. So that's definitely his, his strength. Uh, he's also a very good finisher, as we saw in, in the, at the World Juniors. He, he can be an opportunistic finisher. He can, he can score those greasy goals, but he has a pretty decent shot as well. Uh, so that's, I think there is, there is that kind of a dirty goal potential in him, but I, I don't really love his playmaking abilities, uh, his vision, his, his passing abilities, none of that. I think it's, it's pretty average. He doesn't create a lot of, uh, scoring chances for others he can create chances for himself but not so much for others and i think that that is why why i like uh Rahel more than him i think Rahel has more offensive upside more playmaking ability than peterka right on right on all right yoki we're going on almost two hours here i think uh as as there's many more players that i'd love to pick your brain on for this podcast uh on your list here Guys like uh, Rodion Amirov, Amel Andre, um, Topping Niamely, William Wallander. The list goes on and on. Uh, we got to cut it off at some point. And I got another interview coming up with uh, with Julie Robinheimer and uh, and Joe Maloney on college players uh, that I need to record as well. So I think uh, I think we're gonna have to tap out on this episode. If you want to see more of uh, Dauber Prospects' thoughts on the European drafted players. You can go to uh, the Dauber Prospects webpage. Um, there is a tab for 2020 NHL draft eligibles. Right now, it's it's on the main bar under World Junior Championships. For some reason, we need to fix that. Uh, but you can find all of our profiles on ranked players there. And there's the rankings there as well. You can find rankings from uh, Cam and Yoki and all of our other articles that are related to the 2020 draft. It's uh, it's the spot to go for the 2020 draft. Uh, you can follow Yoki on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Yoki Nevalainen, surprisingly enough. And you can follow the podcast at DPR underscore show or me at Farling. And uh, Yoki, thanks so much for your time, man. I really appreciate you uh, giving me so much of it today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. And uh, do you got anything uh, coming up on the site that you wanted to uh, pump the tires on? Yeah, well, uh, I've been doing some uh, 2020 draft interviews lately, and I'll be continuing that over the next next few weeks at least. So keep an eye on that if you want to learn more about these European guys eligible for the draft. Right on. And Yoki's going to be uh, a key contributor to the Dauber Prospects organizational prospect rankings as well. A fun little activity that is giving me something to do while I'm in lockdown at home here. Uh, so look for some of those articles to start trickling out on the site in the weeks to come. And uh, more podcast on the way on the next episode where we'll be talking about uh, NCAA players who have signed and are going pro. So that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the rink. Cheers, Yoki.